This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, my favorite Lakers fan, Greg Smith. Greg, hello. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, am I the only Lakers fan you know? You are no. not the only Lakers fan. I know. Okay, good. I feel good. Um, hopefully, whoever that other person or people are, um, don't feel bad. But that's all right. I'm number one. <laughs> he was number one. Um, <laughs> wh- okay, let's. Uh, spring ball started this week, so we're going to talk about Nebraska football. We're going to talk about um, Thomas Fedoni, and we're going to talk about Travis Fisher thinking that Nebraska can have the best secondary in the country, which I kind of agree with him. Uh, we're going to get into that stuff. But first, I have to ask you, because like the buyout stuff happened this week in the NBA, or just really like in the last seven to ten days or something like that, yeah. and um, people are being really dumb about it. So like, first, Blake Griffin signs with with the Brooklyn Nets. And it's like, I, I mean, cool. Like if he plays 15 minutes for them in a playoff game and scores like 10 points and gives four assists or something like that, like that's good. The, the, he has provided value for the contract that he is on. Um, and there was all that stuff about like, oh, Blake Griffin hasn't dunked this year. Like <laughs> right. Blake Griffin, who built his entire career off of electric dunks, hasn't dunked this year. So there's that. And then they signed LaMarcus Aldridge, who basically – the San Antonio Spurs paid to stop playing for them. They paid LaMarcus Aldridge to stop playing for them. They did not want him anymore. And they're a team that's firmly in the playoff hunt, last I looked. So LaMarcus Aldridge goes to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. And Andre Drummond, who... I mean, you can tell me how you feel about Andre Drummond, but he feels a lot like an empty calories kind of player and has been passed around the league a lot. Signs with the Los Angeles Lakers after being bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, like, all I've heard is, like, super teams everywhere. The NBA sucks. Competitive balance is all out of whack. There are super teams everywhere. The Brooklyn Nets uh, have stacked the deck. They're going to race to the NBA championship. Uh, Nobody stands a chance. They have LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. and, and, And when I'm thinking about it, when you look at them, Nicholas Claxton, who half the people listening to this podcast will have no idea who the hell that is. Nicholas Claxton is a more impactful player for the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs than LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge is not good. Why are people so hung up on names? I, I mean, that was exactly what I said. It's just the names. I think that, that and to the point even further, I actually, I just saw this, maybe, I forget which site it was, but it was a reputable site that said that or had a report out that uh, NBA owners from small market teams are kind of saying behind the scenes that they want alteration to the buyout market because the guys are going out to the big markets. And I'm like, 
does that matter? Like, I feel like the small market teams, if run well and making the right decisions, can pick up better guys than, say, LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, like especially in that case. In that particular case, I think the Nets got one guy that's washed in Aldridge and one guy that's on the break in Blake Griffin. Um, Andre Drummond has always put up numbers. It is hard to know for me, um, and this is kind of how I thought about it as he's come to the team. It's hard for me to know what to expect from him because on one hand, like you said, he put up numbers and there seem to be empty calories, though. So I don't know what to expect. Do I think that he's going to be out here close to 20 and 20 nights um, once the Lakers are back to full strength? No, not really. Um, but we'll see. I, But I don't – I think that people are – completely overreacting to the thought that these two teams signing these big names equals them building super teams. Like, I don't even know why we're talking about super teams in the context of this particular thing. Cause I saw people saying the other day, like, well, now that other teams are adding all these guys, maybe the Lakers will find a way to add a third superstar in the off season. I'm like, I don't think this is the reason why they need to do that. Like, so I watched Stephen A. Smith go on a rant about how Russell Westbrook's huge triple-double line the other night meant nothing to him and how Russell Westbrook is at a point in his career where he only needs rings. Right. Cool. If, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Russell Westbrook could take a buyout tomorrow and go play for a contender and win a championship, and you would complain about super teams because that's exactly right. what happens. And, and like, the thing is, like, so you talked about, like, Drummond is not going to post 20-20 games. When we get into the playoffs, Anthony Davis is playing center. LeBron James is playing small ball four. And they're going to have, like, Dennis Schroeder and Caruso and Contavious Caldwell-Pope on the floor, right? Or, like, Kuzma or maybe, like, Markeith Morris or something like that. Yeah, well, some combination of that, depending on which guy is playing. When the Brooklyn Nets get into the playoffs, is LaMarcus Aldridge going to play? Or is their best is their best lineup putting like Kevin Durant at the five, which they really like to do. And the other thing, like, is LaMarcus Aldridge going to stop Joel Embiid? That's the other thing. Is they no, actually, he's not. No, we, well, I didn't, we need to, no. But, like, that ad, that signing against a couple of teams that they're really going to need to play well against, um, the 76ers, you know, provided we get that series, and hopefully we do. And if the Nets were to beat them um, and, say, play the Lakers, then, like, is LaMarcus Aldridge slowing down Anthony Davis? No. Like, those guys, so a lot of those guys are getting played off the court. And we actually saw this played out play out last year for the Lakers. Remember the adjustment they had to make? in the playoffs and basically saying that their center rotation last year had to basically be put to the bench and have AD at the five. And that's when they like really took off in the playoffs. So I don't, I don't know. Like I was listening to, it was either uh Brian Windhorst podcast or Zach Lowe's podcast. And one of them said like, they got a text message from a GM the day of like Aldridge's signing. Um, or maybe it was like the day of the, the trade deadline or something like that, that was like, oh, the San Antonio Spurs had the best deadline day of anyone. And Windhorst, it was either, I think it was, it, I think it was Windhorst. Windhorst was like, oh, why is that? And they're like, because they got off LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, like, we're <laughs> <laughs> um, getting rid of that. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's wild. Like the, the Stephen A. Smiths of, of, of NBA discourse are like, actively harming nba discourse yes which sucks. there's a lot at harming nba discourse but Stephen a is up there on the list yes it's just unfortunate 
whatever. That's that's my that's my spiel. Uh, my uh, kind of annoyance of the week we can move on to nebraska football because there was <laughs> there were some exciting things that happened this week you and i were were both in person on wednesday um is that the first in-person availability for football you've done since the 2019 season were you at spring day in 2020 i was at the i was the last thing i did was that round table that introduced lubick to everyone when whenever that so was that been march of 2020 yeah yeah that was the last thing that that I was at because I wasn't at that because I was in Oklahoma, and so I think I think this Wednesday was the first in person thing I'd done with Nebraska football since since 2019, the end of that the, season, the end of that season, which was kind of wild to think about. Um, and and it was I mean it was people seemed to be in in lighter moods like you have Greg Austin walking out in shorts and a t shirt when we're really cold and making fun of people for being cold, and then Travis Fisher coming out immediately after him in pants and a and a, a pull over and being like can we do this inside please it's cold <laughs> it was very cold um people were were in were in good moods and and by and large like we we have heard good things about nebraska surprise surprise that's usually the way spring tends to go uh with, with not just at nebraska but in general um with with college football spring is a time for optimism um one thing that people are very optimistic about i should say one player that people are very optimistic about is uh is nebraska's newest tight end edition from the, the 2021 class, Thomas Fedoni. And uh, you were over there with Sean Becton on Wednesday when Becton was talking about Fedoni. Um, give me the uh, give me the synopsis of what of what Becton said about his room and, and specifically about Fedoni. Yeah, about his room, Becton was very high on the room as a whole and thought that he, and said that he's going to spend the spring challenging those guys um, to kind of be among the nation's best because he thinks that they, with the returning guys and the incoming guys, they have a lot of talent to to make plays for the team and kind of be something that this offense can lean on, um, which I mostly mostly agree with. Um, uh, and also, then as it comes to Thomas Fedoni specifically, it's it's interesting because we did. I went into the day thinking, okay, when we talk about tight ends with Sean Beckton, like yes, we're going to get some Fedoni questions. But a bunch of this is going to be focused on kind of Austin Allen, Travis Vokalek, and those guys returning because I think that those guys are going to play quite a bit, obviously, and they're going to have big roles, and I still think that. Um, and we got some questions about that, um, but I guess I should not be surprised as someone who covered his recruiting <laughs> that we were going to get a lot of Thomas Fedoni talk. I wrote about him um, for Thursday on HailVarsity.com because of what Beckton said, which was essentially Fedoni is going through kind of that freshman adjustment period like any other freshman, no matter how highly touted you are. Um, there is a moment when you get to college where it, it kind of hits you that, oh, crap, this is different than high school. Like, I cannot just I'm not just going to run around here for, as freely as I did in high school and do whatever I want, and make all these highlight plays like in. And, and I think um, Beckton specifically mentioned the details, like all of the little things that you have to do to be able to win on a given play are the things that he's learning. Um, and he mentioned to Fedoni's credit, and we heard Austin Allen mention this as well earlier in the week, that Fedoni has kind of been like a sponge. He's been um, really eager to learn. He's been working really hard. 
Um, and I've talked to you about this before, about the work ethic there, I think is off the charts. And I think that that will serve time as well moving forward. But there's definitely an adjustment period of like, welcome to everyone that you're playing against, even on like third string is pretty good. It's it's funny, um, those like high level guys that don't come from like the Georgias uh, and the Texases of, of high school football, like you're playing D1 linebackers now. Like you're not going up against dudes who play fullback on offense and and, <laughs> right. and punter on special teams and and you know you're not going up against those dudes anymore. Um, do we expect Fedoni to factor heavily into the offense? Austin Allen had 18 catches last year uh, to lead all tight ends. Travis Wilkelek had nine. Um, do we expect him to just immediately leapfrog those two dudes? I I say that as somebody who has written uh, that this tight end room can be. As Becton said, one of the best in the country, uh, specifically because of Thomas Fedoni's addition to it, um, and they and they just really seem to like Travis Vokalek. I don't think we're going to get suddenly some three tight end sets from Nebraska, um, but they do. And, and Matt Lubick talked about this on Monday when we heard from him. They do move guys around all over the place. I mean, they put their tight ends everywhere. Um, you, you'll get you'll get two in line one play, and then you'll get a guy flexed out wide uh, the next play, like right. like way out wide at the next play. Um, so, so do we expect Fedoni to just immediately jump into like, a, hey, yeah, he's going to play, I don't know, 30 snaps, 20 snaps a game? Man, that's an interesting question because I don't – when people think, oh, he's going to jump in and play a lot, you're thinking that maybe he's starting. I don't think that necessarily today. I think that he's going to have a role, and I think that there'll be – there is – I think that there's a really interesting way that they can use him – while making sure that he's like staying engaged and continuing to get better because they're obviously going to need him in the future and he's going to be a leader on that offense at some point um while also recognizing that we've got two really good players that are veteran guys ahead of him that he can learn from but also complement as well because you can, i can envision Fedoni being out there with Austin Allen or with Travis Vokalek in certain sets um, and, and Nebraska finding really interesting ways to utilize that. I'm with you. I don't see like suddenly three tight end sets. So that'd be super fun. Um, I don't see that happening, uh, but I do. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows? Greg Austin said that they have kind of tweaked some of their running back designs. They want to get guys downhill mm-hmm. more. Maybe you go super heavy like Stanford and put three tight ends out there. But I mean, Thomas Fedoni is a true freshman. Maybe he's not ready for stuff like that. Right, maybe. And so I but I could see I see a way for them to get him out there um, for like 15, 20 snaps a game. And and especially because you don't and Beckton did mention this, too, about when you think about blocking with a young player like that. um, It's a lot of technique stuff and hand placement and and angles and how to attack blocks. Um, And then on top of that, he's got to add strength to be able to go against guys in this league. Right. Like that's going to come with time. So maybe you dial back on putting him in that position but but you can still use him split out or in ways where you get him the ball um in the pass game i will say this though um we saw kurt raftall put his name in the transfer portal this week he's a fifth year guy that hasn't just hasn't been used a ton um in meaningful ways he's, he's played but he just hasn't been used a ton in meaningful ways he's in the transfer portal the transfer portal is booming nebraska's lost uh key guys to the transfer portal we don't have to rehash that um Fedoni at six foot five is a is a matchup problem already, considering his his uh, his athletic ability. And like you and I have both seen him in person, his catch radius is ridiculous. He can catch balls that you don't think he can catch. Um, 
they need big plays in the passing game. They talked about that this week. They need to they need to find more explosives. Um, if you're gonna get nine catches for 91 yards in eight games from Travis Vokalek, they're gonna play more games than eight games. But if you're gonna get that that level of production from Travis Vokalek, I don't want to see him taking snaps away from Thomas Fedoni right now. Um, Austin Allen says he wants to be a captain. He's got to continue making steps, not just as a leader, but in terms of his on-field production, he's got to continue making steps. He needs to make more of those. I don't remember what game it it was in. Maybe it was the Minnesota game or something like that, where he he went up and grabbed the ball uh, on the sideline and got a toe down and tapped on the sideline. Um, He needs to make those kinds of plays, impact plays, game-changing plays, because we kind of think right now that Fedoni can already make those plays. And so if as an offense you want to get to a place where you have more of those, where you are more explosive, I don't want to see Travis Vokalek <laughs> taking snaps away from Thomas Fedoni because he's a little bit better blocker right now. Am I crazy for that? I don't want to lose this guy. No, I don't No, I don't think you're crazy for that. I just think but I also think that you've got to get Fedoni to the point to where he's making those types of plays. But the problem is, is that I kind of view this in a way like, because I, I mostly agree with you that I like, if it's going to be and like, this is not to like slander Travis Vogelek or anything like that, but if he's going to end up playing a ton and getting 13 catches on the season, you could have gotten that production from Fedoni while also getting him markedly better over the course of one season in a freshman year, knowing that his ceiling is way up here. Right. Like I think that that's kind of where the rubber meets the road on that one. Um, and you want to end up having an interest Nebraska's offense that like you said, needs explosive plays. You just want as many guys out there that are threats as possible, because even if you have kind of an, an emerging threat in Thomas Fedoni and you pair that with what we kind of think and hope, maybe sort of knock on wood is going to happen on the outside at wide receiver, then you can really start to have some fun with that. Um, especially if you can then pair that with what has kind of been, I think a big topic of the week, which is this physical downhill run game. Um, that's how I think you unlock the offense is too strong, but you know what I mean? Like that's how you really start to present those matchup nightmares that you tend to actually see from this offense. Yeah, and I will say this, like you said, 13 catches from Travis Vokalek in, in 12 games. Like, I don't think we expect Vokalek to be the starter. I think most people expect Austin Allen to be the guy, I shouldn't say starter, playing the most snaps of the tight end room. Um, if Austin Allen is at 25 catches on the year, which is what Jack Stoll was uh, the last full year that they played, I think. Um, and, and, and like we found out this week that Samori Toure is playing in the slot. He's going to start on the slot. If like... Toure is what they expect him to be, and Omar Manning is a thing this year, and they get uh, another step forward from Xavier Betts, and you've got those guys all kind of around 25 catches or more than 25 catches or something like that, Uh, and then you've got Austin Allen as well. Then, you know, Travis Boca, like, having 13 is fine. Like, they've got – when we talk about this tight end room being really good, sometimes when we talk about it, we talk about it in the sense of, like, well, it has to be really good to sort of make up for what they haven't gotten from the wide receiver room. But like Scott Frost said on Monday, he thinks the talent and the depth in the wide receiver room is as good as they've ever had um, since they've, I shouldn't say ever, since they've been here. It's one of my weird pet peeves, um, is as good as they've had since they've been back in Lincoln. If that's the case, then you don't need three tight ends to be all conference level. And you can play Fedoni, 
and it's not imperative that he's on the field all the time. Um, all that to say, we'll see. We'll see. I think this is a big. I think this is a big spring for uh, Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek because, like, like I said, Austin Allen wants to be a captain. Um, they don't need another uh, Cade Warner kind of captain. All due respect right. to Cade Warner, they don't need another captain like that. Because you and Jay Foreman have talked about this on your podcast, the uh, the the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Like, if you're going to be a captain and tell people what to do, you got to also be doing your job as well. Yeah, that's a, that's an important thing that I feel like sometimes has oddly been missing from Nebraska football um, in recent years. And this is going back a while now. I just feel like there's, and maybe I'm just wrong about how captains have worked at other places around the country. But yes, that definitely feels like something that is constantly coming up around Nebraska football. We'll see. We'll see. And I mean, <laughs> the the fun thing about this week was that everybody is just kind of so excited to have football to talk about again. And it, all this new stuff is around with Nebraska football that like, I think it, it get lost in the weeds a little bit that this, when we talked to Sean Becton about Thomas Fedoni, he had two practices. Right. <laughs> so right. we'll see, we'll see how things grow. Um, the other thing, and, and it's interesting that Becton said that they could have the, the best tight end room in the country. And, uh, Samori Toure kind of quote tweeted, uh, somebody, quoting Becton on Twitter and said, yeah, we will. Um, Travis Fisher made a similar comment. He said that uh, the, the question was, you've been, you've been kind of courted by other programs since being at Nebraska, which makes sense. He's really good at what he does. And you've stuck around at Nebraska. Why? Why have you decided to, to, to continue being the secondary coach here at a program that, that hasn't really done well for the first three years that he's been here overall from a win-loss record. And uh, Travis Fisher's answer was that he has not reached his goal, which is to make this Nebraska secondary the best secondary in the country. He wants to do it here at Nebraska. He feels like, he said on Wednesday, he feels like they have the talent already in that room to do it. What do you think of that statement, Greg? Do you agree with him? Why or why not? I, man, I, it's it's tough for me to say that I fully agree with him on that. I like I like his confidence. Um, the reason that I, it's tough for me to fully agree is that other cornerback spot, like <laughs> replacing. If they had had the Caprio Boodle come back, then I think it would have been something that okay, we we got something here. Um, but replacing that guy, I think it's going to be tougher than I think a lot of people kind of realize. I feel like that gets kind of pushed to the side a little bit based on like his steady play and his leadership in the room. Though you do have some exciting guys uh, coming up behind that. Um, that's a tall tale. I, w- I would have, because of what we've seen, or tall ass, because of what we've seen um, with some of the other talk around this team and from these coaches over the last three years, I wish he had said best in the big 10. That was kind of my first gut reaction, but that's just kind of a weird thing to say. Um, So I say all of that to say it's a little strong for me, but I do think that they can be very good. um, I'm sure people are going to have sort of um, the, the gag reflex is to be like, Oh God, don't say that. Please don't say that. Prove it on the field first. Which, which I totally get. I love it. You're in year four. 
you're at the University of Nebraska. You don't aim for best in the Big Ten. You aim for best in the country, especially when you're talking about the black shirts. That's what you aim for. So I, I love it. And I absolutely think that they have the talent to do it. Because let me preface what I'm about to say by saying that none of this is said to take away from DiCaprio Boodle, the kind of player he was and is, and what he accomplished at Nebraska. He can be really good, and Nebraska can also be really good this season without him. Both things can be true. The latter can be true without meaning that they are better without him because he's not around. I think the difference is Cam Taylor-Britt, who just feels like he has star potential. How many defensive backs has Nebraska had in, in, in the last few years that have had this sort of like vibe to them that Cam Taylor-Britt has where it just feels like this dude, when all the pieces are put together, can be a star, like a like an across the college football landscape star. Like other people outside of the Big Ten footprint know about him. Um, Travis Fisher thinks that he can get there, that he hasn't yet reached his ceiling. I think he can be really, really good. And we saw some of those those star level plays that you get from those guys with the the outstretched deflections a year ago one of them against purdue i think um so in in that sense i think they have kind of the the pieces that you need to have for like one of the best secondaries in the country like if you're building it what are you gonna have you want a guy that that is already really really good that can become a superstar you have lots of guys that have played lots of snaps and you've got that in taylor Britt, in deontay williams and markel Desmuke. Their safety position is kind of set. And if one of those guys loses a spot, it's not because they're not good. It's because one of the young guys that they've recruited is just like, oh my God, this dude is really good. Miles Farmer had two interceptions in, in one half against Northwestern and then didn't play again. Um, they're really good. Like the the overall talent in that room, I think is is maybe, I, I think it's maybe the most talented room uh, of any uh, on, on Nebraska's roster. And so... To hear Travis Fisher say, like, Braxton Clark, if he was healthy, could have taken a starting job last year. That would be taking a starting job from Cam Taylor Britt or from DiCaprio Boodle or maybe one of those one of those safeties. Um, to hear him say, yeah, you're going to see Noah Pola Gates. Yeah, you're going to see Miles Farmer. Those guys are going to have roles. Um, and then, you know, like a guy that Eric Schnander talked about on Monday, Isaac Gifford, wasn't even mentioned by Travis Fisher. Like, he has just, like, just... <laughs> so many options. He's an overflowing amount of options for him to work with for four positions. Um, they're going to be able to put the best guys on the field. They're going to be able to, to move pieces in and out. They're going to be able to be really multiple with some of their defensive sets to, to, to get these guys on the field, these playmakers on the field. They have to be better at creating those splash plays. They had five interceptions in eight games a year ago. That's not good enough. They had two fumbles recovered. A year ago in eight games, that's not good enough. Seven seven takeaways in eight games is not good enough. Uh, Chenander said on Monday they want to get to a place where they have two a game. That could be pretty good. They want to limit limit explosive plays. They need to do that as well. Chenander said that they were at five a game if they can get it down a couple. Um, that'll be better. I think I just I think they have the talent to do it. And when I heard Travis say, "Yeah, we want to be the best secondary in the country," 
I, I knew that you're going to get those people that had that gag reflex that I talked about. Sort of like, whoa, don't say that. Let's just, let's just you know, win some football games. <laughs> yeah, let's win some football games first. Um, but at the same time, that's the confidence you want, particularly with <laughs> that... <laughs> defensive backs. Right. Um, so I'm all for it. Okay, 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 hold on. We're, well, you might be winning me over because there's Boom. a name you didn't mention, Nadab Joseph. Or Quentin Newsom. Who or was Quentin their second Newsom. Guy. Okay, hold on. So if you start to think about it, which, in, see, and this is, okay, Travis Fisher has a lot of guys. Um, because it provided, given health, a rotation of Taylor, Britt, Clark, Newsom, Joseph, with Lynham kind of like trying and learning and everything, the reports kind of behind the scenes have been good there for corner. Those are five guys, really four if you take Lynham out um, at corner, that you're like, okay, I think that that should be a pretty good group. And then if the – I think a wild card for me with this secondary, it oddly is Noah Pola Gates because even though we – it was a small sample size. I feel really good that Miles Farm is going to be very good here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you already have the two established guys, you've got to get snaps from Miles Farmer. Polar Polar Gates really shows that he needs to be out there. Um, then that is kind of a game changer. And in the fact that he could probably not just play all the way back at safety, but he could slide down and nickel. You, a lot of those guys, and this is where it becomes fun with the way that Travis Fisher talks about cross training. I know he mentioned that again. Um, yesterday because then you can start to mix and match with who then plays kind of that nickel role as well um that it could be a really fun group and i think that the in part because i think two wild cards there are noah polo gates and the dab joseph who if you get and we talk about this kind of it, it i think of joseph in the same way as kind of what we think of omar manning on the offensive side of the ball like we've heard about it but we didn't quite see it, even though we saw more from Joseph last year than we saw of Manning because we saw him play on special teams. Um, if you if you could get close to what like his athletic profile is in terms of play, then you've really got something there. Yeah, so they were 63rd nationally in, in Havoc rate produced, which is uh, passes defended plus... Uh, fumbles forced plus tackles for loss as a function of plays faced by a defense. Um, those are those kind of like splash plays that Shenander talks about. So 63rd nationally in havoc rate, and they were 56th nationally in explosive pass play rate against. Um, some people use 15 yards plus. I used 20 yards plus in this just because it was easier uh, to track. Um, those obviously have to be better. Those Those are not... Those those are not numbers that you would look at and say, oh, best secondary in the country. Those have to be better. Probably top twenty in both categories, um, and you can break you can break havoc rate down by by secondary as well. Um, when you when you uh, when, when you listen to to Eric Chenander talk about, okay, we want to we want to have, you know two fewer missed three fewer missed tackles a game that he said that they had it down to like eight or something like that they had it from from 11 down to eight or something like that we want to have you know two or three fewer uh explosive plays a game they had he, I think he said they had five a game last year we want to have two takeaways a game 
And Travis Fisher said, we want to lead the country in takeaways, that that is a goal, that that was a day one meeting goal, that that's posted in their room. That stuff, when, when you can kind of break it down like that and give guys like, hey, these are the goals we want to hit, a lot of what I heard reminded me of, um, and I've referenced this a ton, probably too much for some people's liking, uh, the way Matt Rule treated his Baylor defense when he took them in two or three years from like 1-11 and 11 to 11-1, and one, one of the things that he said was we need to hit X number of tackles for loss and we need to hit X number of takeaways. And if we do that, we're going to be really good. And then the year that they were really good, they hit both of those marks. They did that. And, you know, Chenander talked about it. And, and the quote was, you know, you break things down like that into these these attainable small goals. And he said, then what seems like a little thing we're talking about turns out to be a huge thing. You can expect a lot of improvement, but you have to put it in front of the guys in obtainable situations. If you break it down as, as small as you can and try to accomplish those goals, then a lot of improvement is very reachable. I'm really liking what I'm hearing from the defense. I am too. And I think that that I think that so much of what was going to be talked about coming into this spring, and we've seen it kind of bear out, was like, oh, all these guys are coming back, so your defense should be pretty salty. It should be improved. It should be this. But it's sometimes, I think, in that line of questioning or trying to figure out how to get there, it's hard to figure out, like, how. Like, it's one thing to just say, okay, we want to be among the best defenses or we want to be a better defense, but what does that actually mean? And I thought that the way that Shenander broke it down, the way that Fisher broke it down as well, I feel like it's an easy way to put in front of the players, have them digest it, and have a a goal that you can really go after. Like, it's really, I think it's really simple, and it's when you say it out loud to say we want to have two fewer missed tackles per game, that to me is a really big deal, particularly when we're talking about this secondary, because what are one like one of the biggest knocks on this secondary and this kind of group when you think about both safeties and Cam Taylor Britt, to be frank, is that they it feels like they miss a fair amount of tackles. And whether or not that's bad technique, just flying in there too um, quickly and not really wrapping up, like it just feels like that's kind of a thing that that happens with this group. And if you can clean that up that will end up making a big difference. And then when you say two less, two fewer missed tackles, you can then show them on film, hey, if you didn't do this or this, you can then improve that number. I think that that's a really effective way to try and sell that. Yeah, and, and that was kind of what I wrote. Like if you say like, hey, we're going to take out one or two of these missed tackles, what tends to happen when you miss a tackle? big play a big play right a a play that would be like a three-yard swing pass suddenly becomes a 20-yard play so all of these things are kind of interconnected and if instead of a 20-yard play and a swing pass an offense is getting a three-yard play then let's say you're on you're, you're on second down now suddenly you're you're in a third down situation where the defense has the advantage what happens when you're in third down and the defense has the advantage the offense presses and that's when turnovers happen um so like like, yeah, Nebraska needs to be better stopping the run. They showed a lot of improvement last year. They they jumped to 56 nationally in yards per per carry against, which is which is really good. But, like, I, I kind of wonder if maybe they've sort of not capped out, but they're sort of pushing up against the ceiling for how good you can actually be based on just what's, what they have available to them. Like, the difference between 56th, where Nebraska is, and, let's say, 25th is a half a yard a carry. 
And if you're, let's say you're cutting down on missed tackles, like maybe you can get there, but a half a yard of carry, I mean, if you're creating takeaways, that's what this defense is supposed to do. It's not necessarily supposed to be, we're going to stonewall you every single time you snap the football. It's going to be, no, we're going to give up yards and we're going to give up some points here and there and we're going to give up some big plays here and there. But man, we're going to have two takeaways a game. We're going to have three takeaways a game. We're going to come up big in big moments. And um, like I was listening to Mina Kimes um, on a podcast recently talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And she talked about how like so much was made about, well, they don't have a great defense. Well, they don't have a great defense. How far can they really be carried when they don't have a great defense? Well, it's not... That's that's not the way the team is built. The team is built. They have an incredible offense where the defense just needs like five or six plays a game, and um, you know it's Nebraska's not even close to being in the stratosphere that 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 Kansas City Chiefs offense is in. But like that's kind of that's kind of the goal that they're moving towards. And if you know if you get to some of these goals that they want to hit that they've laid out, I really think you know like I said it before, I, I really think that they are. You know, they're, they're kind of hitting all the right notes for me in terms of, of, of feeling good about where they're headed as a, as a defensive team. Yeah, I think, I, I think so, too. And I think that you can only – like, it's tough. Like, we're only, what, four days into spring football, so it's tough to make sweeping judgments. But you can only go by what you've heard so far. And I do like some of the things that I've heard um, – from all of the coaching staff, and then and we've talked to some players. Like I, I really like a lot of what seems to be a renewed approach, a, a little bit different approach, like the way that things are being broken down. Like I think that um, you are writing about the offense trying to focus on finishing versus just going fast. I think all of these things are related. Like mm-hmm. I said, all of the, um, we started off the pod talking about um, Sean Becton. And one of the things outside of the Fedoni stuff that to me was um, most impactful that he said was kind of the forceful way that he said that everything has to be better. Um, it, it, there's a lot of stuff that that, that feels and to me that all adds up to, exactly what I would have wanted if you had said, Greg, what's the one thing you want to come away from week one feeling? It would be feeling like there was a sense of urgency. Yeah. And, and at least from the first couple of days, that is what it kind of feels like. Yeah, that's a really good comment. Um, a lot of this has, has sounded really optimistic and like you know, people are going to say, oh, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, I don't want, like, we're not, this is not, this is not letting them off the hook. They got to be better. They know they have to no, be better. No, there's a lot of ways that, yeah, there's a lot of areas that got to get cleaned up. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think too, it's important to say, Travis Fisher didn't come out and say, we're going to be. He said, we can be. If this, this, and this happens, we can be. And Shenander was like, if this, this, and this happens, we can, you know, I think the question that that elicited that response was, what should expectations be for this defense? And that's kind of what he said. We can have improvements if this, this, and this happens. Those are good things. Um, but like you said, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, they'll practice on Friday, and that'll be what their third or fourth practice of spring ball. Like, we're still very early. There's still a lot of stuff that has to happen. There's still a lot of things that need to improve. Um, but like you said, there, there did seem that's a really good way of putting it. There did seem to be a sense of urgency. So. Um, that was, it was, it was a, an optimistic week. It was a good week. Good first week of spring ball. <laughs> it was a good first week. Um, and it was, it was nice to have like what felt like football back and like kind of our, like almost normal setting outside of being cold. Um, shouts to Travis Fisher. Yeah. I got a, uh, I, I was with him. I had a parking ticket on my car when I walked back out. So just, just like normal, we're back to normal. 
Yeah, the only thing was is it felt like on those types of days we usually are all like having breadsticks. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have an office to all kind of congregate in and talk about though. That's the weird thing. Uh that was strange. Like I was a house like <laughs> inside baseball thing. That part was strange. I had yeah. texted Aaron um and didn't get a response. This was like right after availability. And I texted her again like fifteen minutes later a, a gif of uh just somebody being ignored and being like, Why are you ignoring me? And she was like, I'm driving and I was like, Oh yeah, we don't have an office, you have to drive back to Omaha. I forgot about that. So yeah. we'll see. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh Nebraska football related or uh Laker fandom related that we that we haven't touched on? Um, no, not today. I think I think we've well covered it for okay. today. Okay. I'll let you get out of here then. We can uh we can save some stuff as we move through. We've got what, four more weeks of this? Um before the uh, the May one spring games, we've got we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to write about. Keep reading alvarcd.com. Subscribe to uh, Greg and Jay's Shit Up Breakdown podcast. Subscribe to uh, Aaron and, and Sasha's Mind Your Own podcast. Subscribe to all the Herd App Media podcasts. We are a proud partner of the Herd App Media Network. And um, yeah, Greg, thanks for coming on. It was nice to talk to you again. You haven't been on in a while. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back and still remain number one in your Laker fans' uh, power rankings. Number one Laker fan. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. A Hood at Media Production.